G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Hello, my friends. Michael Yusuf here with Leading the Way, and I want to wish you the joyous of Christmas. The Apostle Paul said that when Jesus Christ came into the world, God the Father blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, including peace. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thanks for taking time during a special season to listen to Leading the Way with pastor and author of more than 50 books, Dr. Michael Yusuf. People across the world are pausing to celebrate Christmas this weekend. Others may not grasp the deeper meaning of the Advent and are merely gathering with family and friends for a time of food and fun. Up next, on this episode of Leading the Way Audio, Dr. Yusuf invites you to look at Christmas through a different lens. You'll see how Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, offers a picture of God's love, mercy and grace. Here's Dr. Yusuf to begin today's very special Leading the Way. Joseph played a role, a vital role in the life of the Messiah, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. We have very little information about Joseph in the Scriptures, in the Gospel writers. There are a couple of references about Joseph in the writing of the Jewish historian Josephus. In fact, the Gospel of Mark doesn't even mention Joseph. And yet, as you will see in a minute, there are some wonderful things, amazing things, that we can learn from Joseph, the adopted father of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, culturally and historically, we know that Joseph probably was around 16 years old at that time, because that's when boys got married, and he was engaged to the Virgin Mary, who most likely she was 14 years old at the time that they were engaged. Back then, in the Jewish culture, girls got engaged right after they had their first menstrual cycle. Even though Jesus was virgin-born, Son of God, And yet, many people identified him at that time. Now, I want to transport you 2,000 years. (laughs) At that time, they identified him as the son of Joseph. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 all the way to 56, the Jews in the time of Jesus were absolutely mesmerized. Who is this one who's raising the dead, healing the sick, and opening the eyes of the blind, they were absolutely mesmerized by that, and they were speechless, and they did not know what to say. So they said, is he not the son of the Tikton? Now, Tikton is the Greek word for any person at that time who worked with wood. He worked with wood, and that could be a variety of ways, whether it would be putting the frames of doors and windows in a home, or making furniture. 
So when they said, isn't he the carpenter's son, as we see it translated into English, they're saying, isn't he the tecton's son? How is he doing all this? See, most of these tectons at the time, they were known for their patience. They were known for their kindness. So the question is this, what would all that tell us about Joseph, the adopted father of the Lord Jesus Christ? Listen carefully, please, because it tells us a great deal. First of all, it tells us that God the Father the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven, the Almighty God, Yahweh, was not going to entrust His one and only eternal Son with whom He coexisted before the foundation of the world. He was not going to entrust Him just to anybody. God the Father and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ was not going to entrust His one and only eternal Son, Jesus, just to any man. Another question, why did God not choose a priest to be the adopted father? After all, he enters into the Holy of Holies, and he offers sacrifices. Why didn't he choose a lawyer whom they called scribe? He was very learned in all of the Jewish laws. Why didn't he entrust a Pharisee? My goodness, they were the best when it comes to observing the facade of religion. Why didn't he entrust him to a successful businessman or a physician? Why didn't he entrust him to a celebrity? <laughs> that would have given him a leg up, right? But no. God the Father entrusted his one and only eternal Son with whom he coexisted since before eternity to a humble tecton. Now, I want to tell you why. Listen carefully, please. What God the Father said a thousand years before Christ was born in Bethlehem of Judea is of vital importance because that reveals to us something about God Himself. When God asked the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and He said to him, Go to the home of Jesse. And I want you to anoint one of his sons. He's going to be a king over Israel. And Samuel was so impressed with the big boys, the learned boys of Jesse, all the older boys. And God said, no, 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 none of them. There's a little one somewhere. So they waited until little David, the shepherd, came in. And God said, this is a man. And God then taught Samuel a lesson, taught all of us a lesson. He said, man looks about the outward appearance. Man's looked at the outer appearance, but God looks upon the heart. And God looked down, and he saw the heart of Joseph, and he said, this humble man is going to take care of my one and only eternal son, Jesus. Man looks at the outward appearance, and we've been doing it ever since. But God looks at the heart. Now, don't miss this. Very important. Very important. Don't miss it. Fathers, I don't have to tell you this, psychologists have been telling us this for years, for generations. Fathers play an enormous role in shaping our lives. Some of us, that role is positive, magnificent, but some of us may have been experienced difficulty and pain and even worse with our earthly fathers. But I want to tell you today on the authority of God's Word, that knowing and experiencing your heavenly Father and the grace of your heavenly Father is what matters the most. 
And our Heavenly Father deals with us ever so lovingly, ever so mercifully, and ever so justly. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Matthew starts with something so startling. Matthew starts with this very important event, event that thousands of years have been waiting for. He starts that event beginning with a scandal. Yep, you heard me right. Scandal. This is a scandal of any proportion. While Joseph and Mary were engaged, Mary becomes pregnant, and Joseph was not the father. That's all he knew. Now, I cannot exaggerate to you. Just trust me, okay? Not in everything, but in this one. (laughs) I cannot exaggerate to you the cultural norms of the day, of the horrendous scandal that was. And Joseph's very first reaction to this shocking news actually reveals to us who he is. Imagine the shock and imagine his reaction. Now, of course, 2,000 years later, all faithful believers in Jesus know that Mary was faithful. It's not that she was not faithful to Joseph and that Mary had to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit of God himself. Now we know all of that because we know the Old Testament prophecies 700 years before Christ. Isaiah said, the virgin shall have a child. So we know the Old Testament, even though it was 700 years before Christ. We know the gospel writers' explanation of what had happened. We know the epistles were explaining to us why he has to be sinless in order to deliver and save sinners. We know all of that. We even know that it was absolutely imperative for him who saves us to be born of a virgin. We know that the father had to send his son. But put yourself in Joseph's sandals, okay? Put yourself in his sandals. Think of his first reaction. Think of his first thoughts, first feelings. Think of how this was tormenting to his soul and to his heart and his spirit. That's before the angel appeared to him in the dream and told him. Just think about that. Before he ever heard that Mary was pregnant of the Holy Spirit of God supernaturally, miraculously. Again, we all know the truth now. I always put myself back then. We all know now that the rumor mongers and Christ haters levied false accusations at Mary. But in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, makes it very clear that this troubling scenario, this difficult, this scandal, is precisely what Joseph thought must have taken place. After all, what does he know? But if you merge the account of Dr. Luke and with Matthew, one was a, works for the IRS, the other one was a doctor. But if you merge their accounts together, Mary told Joseph her pregnancy on a visit to Bethlehem. Remember, Bethlehem is in the south. Mary comes from the north, Nazareth, the town of Nazareth. And after she went and visited her cousin, Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist at an old age, as soon as Mary arrived, and she's pregnant with the Messiah, John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb. 
So she goes to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, and then she goes to tell Joseph he's in the same town. Who knows? Elizabeth may have been the matchmaker who put them together. (laughs) But listen, (laughs) when she went to tell Joseph the story, what happened or what she knows and what the angel said, that's not what Joseph heard. (laughs) Right? She came to tell him everything. That's not what he heard. All that Joseph heard is his fiancée is pregnant, and he's not the father, and that's it. Here's something else I don't want you to miss. Please don't miss this. Verse 19, Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. Matthew said, Joseph was a righteous man. Joseph was a righteous man. That the next line tells us exactly why he called him a righteous man. Because he did not want to humiliate Mary, he decided to call off the wedding and break off the engagement quietly. Quietly. In order to understand Joseph's godly response, you have to understand the custom of the day. Let me show you how it worked back then, okay? So you understand it. The two sets of parents get together, and they would decide that when our kids get older, they marry each other. That's how it worked. No Starbucks, no movies, and no discos. This is how it worked. As soon as the girl reached puberty, the two sets of parents get back together, and they renew that same agreement that they made when the kids were little. After a year, possibly two, most likely two, of being betrothed, it's a lot more than engagement. The wedding takes place. But to formalize the engagement, the father of the groom has to pay a certain amount of money to the father of the bride. And that money called mohar, or mahar, spelled with O or A, M-O-H-A-R. By the way, they still do that in the Middle East, in many parts of the Middle East. They still, the father of the groom comes in, offers a certain amount of money to the father. Now, there's a good reason behind this payment, that the father of the groom pays. As a matter of fact, after all, the father of the bride is losing a daughter to the family of the groom. Actually, the bride keeps that money. It doesn't go to her husband or the family budget. It goes to her. It's both a saving account and an insurance policy all at the same time. Just in case the husband keels over and dies or divorce or whatever, it's like an alimony and widow's pension all at the same time. (laughs) In addition to that, the groom himself gives the bride a sum of money. It's called matan. Why I'm telling you all of this? I'm telling you this for a reason. Engagement was a serious business. It wasn't just a ring, and you put it in, you take it off, and you just say, you know, okay, I'm on, enough of it, the engagement's on, engagement's off. No, 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 not like this was binding. It cost a lot of money. I want to show you that being betrothed was a big deal. It was a big deal. Very costly. They were treating the betrothal as marriage, with one exception. The consummation of the marriage, that waited to the night of the wedding. It was kept until then. Listen to me. It is of uttermost importance to understand. You'll miss the whole point if you don't. 
that in Jesus, God came from heaven. In Jesus, God took on human flesh. In Jesus, God entered into humanity. In Jesus, God is now divine, human, all at the same time. But at that time, Joseph could not comprehend all of that. All he could see is that they have not consummated the marriage and Mary's pregnant. And once Mary becomes visibly pregnant, oh, the gossips in town. Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Question, what would Joseph do in those kind of circumstances? If he followed the tradition of the day, he would have gone to the priest and he would have told the priest, I have not slept with my betrothed, but she is pregnant and in public square. And then, most likely, most probably, Mary will be treated as an adulteress. And back then, she would be humiliated, scorned, and even put to death. Yes. The law said that she should be stoned to death and her family disgraced forever. But if the situation is reversed <laughs> and people assume that Joseph is the father, in that case, Joseph becomes guilty of the same thing. It's the guilty party. And he would accept the stigma and the shame that goes with it for the rest of his life. So back to Matthew 1:19, Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to humiliate her, so he was going to break the engagement quietly. Probably going to lose that money that they already put up. If Joseph can teach us anything, and he has a lot to teach us, and especially for us fathers, grandfathers, and husbands, he teaches us that grace and mercy are God-like characters. But there's more. There's more. There is no telling how many times our Lord Jesus Christ, as he's growing up as a young baby, then a boy, teenager, there is no telling how many times growing up he observed that characteristics in his adopted father Joseph. How often has he seen Joseph showing mercy to those who have wronged him? How many times Joseph was gracious to those who have hurt him. How often Joseph exercised forgiveness. So much so that our Lord Jesus Christ, when he hung on the cross in the midst of his agony, in the midst of his pain, spiritual and emotional and physical pain, he could cry out to his real father and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Listen, thank God. Good as these, all of this is, it's not the end of the story. Thank God. The merciful and gracious Heavenly Father sent an angel to Joseph. Verses 20 and 21, Matthew 1. The angel said, Joseph, son of David. You see, Matthew gave us the genealogy before he got here. He gave us all the genealogy. Luke gives us the genealogy of Mary. Matthew gives us the genealogy of Joseph. Both trace their ancestry to David, because God promised David a thousand years before Christ that he will raise a king from his descendants, but he's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And on Christmas Day, it was fulfilled. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries 
was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God Himself. She shall give birth to a son, and you will call Him Jesus. Why? Yeshua! Because His name means Savior. Savior. He will save His people from their sin. What did the angel say? Don't be afraid. It wasn't because sometimes when the angel appeared because they're fearsome looking people, they all say, don't be afraid. You see that throughout the scripture. But then this time has nothing to do with the appearance of the angel. He was saying to him, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of this mission that God has entrusted you with. Do not be afraid to raise up this child who is the son of God. Do not be afraid to raise up God's son for he will not only redeem you, but He's going to redeem millions of people through the ages. Do not be afraid to pour yourself into Him, for He's going to pour His life for you and for many. Don't be afraid to embrace God's plan of salvation for the world. Do not be afraid of this enormous responsibility. Do not be afraid to play a major role in God's salvation plan for those who believe in His Son. Do not be afraid to nurture this boy, because he spiritually will nurture you and millions of others. Don't be afraid. Yeah, it was a scary task. Of course it was a scary task. Yes, it was a terrifying mission. Of course. Yes, it was an extremely challenging call, but this mission of God's Son would change the world. It would change the world, one person at a time. Don't ever forget that God is the one who named His Son. <laughs> God the Father named His Son Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah. There is power in the name of Jesus. Can you say that with me? <laughs> that is why, that is why those who have rejected Him as Savior those who have rejected Him as Lord of their life, they refuse to call Him by His name. The name that His own Father, the Almighty God, the Creator, gave Him. So let me ask you this. What about you? What about you? You've heard God calling you numerous occasions, numerous Christmases or Easter's or whatever. You've, you've heard the call of God so many times. Somebody witnessed to you about Him. Somebody invited you. Come to Jesus as your only Savior. Come to Him out of sin to salvation, out of death to life. Come to Him out of guilt and shame to peace and joy. Come to Him out of your own preconceived idea of who God is, what God should do or shouldn't do. To come to Him and accept His gift of forgiveness and eternal life for you. Would you embrace God's plan of salvation for your life? for your family? Or will you let another occasion pass by? And it may be, listen to me, it may be your last chance. Don't wait another Christmas. Don't wait another day. The Bible said the day is the day of salvation. Now is the hour. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, I come to you repenting of my sins, receiving Jesus and his death on the cross and the resurrection as my only hope for eternity and for peace in this life. Thank you for accepting me because of Jesus. In his name I pray, amen.
thanks for joining Dr. Michael Youssef for a very special Christmas episode of Leading the Way. You can connect with Leading the Way further by calling 1-300-133-589 or at ltw.org. As we close out today's episode, let's listen together to the worshipful sounds of the praise and worship team at Dr. Yusuf's home congregation, the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, Georgia, as they share life-giving music to help you welcome the Christ of Christmas. The stars are brightly shining It is the night of our dear Savior's birth Long lay the world in sin and error pining Till He appeared and the soul its worth, the thrill of the weary world rejoices, we This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. Passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.